0: what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the engage A podcast i'm your host zach with my two co-hosts josh and mike today we're going to be going over a couple upsets in the nfl uh sunday night football chiefs and packers monday night football Bengals and jags and then we're going to go over some college football playoff and then we're going to go over week 14 you want to get us started with some sunday night josh Yes. chiefs and packers huge upset uh for green bay in this one beating a chiefs
1: uh team that doesn't absolutely have to win, uh per se, but if they want to compete for that one seed in the AFC, they absolutely have to. But Jordan Love, I mean, that's the biggest story in this one. He has just been truly phenomenal the past few weeks. Granted, he did go up against a, a Lions defense last week that uh, we will talk about uh, when we get to the Lions-Bears here in a bit, but they have been struggling. This Chiefs defense, on the other hand, has not been struggling. They've been great all season. And Jordan Love went, in, went into Sunday Night Football at home and beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I know for some reason, one of the biggest stories coming out of this game is everybody talking about Chris Collinsworth uh, just not being able to get over Mahomes. I feel like that's silly. Anybody who's talking down on Chris Collinsworth has to go through me first. But regardless, the Packers are just rolling right now. Uh, And their schedule, I don't know if you guys have seen it coming up, but it is cake for the rest of the season. I'll talk about it a little bit when we get to Monday Night Football preview for next week. But they are going to make the playoffs regardless. It sucks as an NFC North fan, me and Zach and both the tests. We've been through hell over our entire lifetimes with the Packers. And just when we thought we were getting away from it, Jordan Love comes out of nowhere and has just been great the past few weeks. He's getting adjusted and he's on the youngest offense in the NFL and still playing great. Beat a chiefs team. Uh, yes, it was at home. And maybe if this game was played in Arrowhead, it would have been uh, a chiefs win. But regardless they're up to i believe 6 and 6 now and they're ready to roll and they're making the playoffs
0: yeah i i feel like the first thing we should talk about is the officiating and especially in the fourth quarter of that game there was the in my opinion the incorrect call on the unnecessary roughness on that Mahomes play on the right sideline and then Pacheco ended up getting ejected a few plays later And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling probably should have been uh, granted that pass interference, the defensive pass interference penalty, which just wasn't called for some reason. So questionable officiating, to say the least, in the fourth quarter. Going both ways, but like you said, Josh Jordan-Love, he's been been playing really well lately. The Packers have won three of the last four, and their schedule coming up is really, really, really nice. Just to rattle off the games real quick, they got – on Monday night next week, they got the Giants in New York, then they're at home for – Tampa Bay, then they're in Carolina, in Minnesota, and then at home to wrap up the season against Chicago. Outside of that Minnesota game, I mean, I think those are all, you could probably chalk those up as wins at the moment. But Minnesota, we don't know what Josh Dobbs is going to look like in a few weeks. We don't know how Justin Jefferson is going to affect that offense, probably positively, but you never know. But on the Chiefs side of things, you have to wonder, like, what's going on? I mean, is it – the lack of Eric Bieniemy is it the addition of Matt Nagy as your offensive coordinator, Isaiah Pacheco was phenomenal. He had that what looked like a freak injury where his leg almost snapped. And then you look up a little bit and all of a sudden his back is all contorted. Like it was, it was crazy, but he finished the game with 110 rushing yards and a touchdown. He was phenomenal. Mahomes and Kelsey had a few of their signature plays as well, where Mahomes would scramble around a little bit, draw the defense to him and then just find him in over the middle and just so much open grass. But outside of that, the chiefs weren't anything special. Their defense is the youngest in the league, but up until this point, they've been really solid and they just could not seem to get off the field when it really mattered against Jordan love and the Packers. So going forward, the chiefs, they got to figure it out. Uh, They're at risk of losing uh, a hold on the one seed race to Baltimore and Miami. But as we all know, getting home field in the playoffs is super important and Kansas city cannot afford to lose it right now.
2: Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, They've had home field, I think, for most of their playoff runs. I think they've had, what, four consecutive AFC championships at Arrowhead, which could come to an end this season. Um, I do want to touch on the referees like you did, Zach. The, the late PI, I've said it a couple weeks now. I don't understand how there's not a referee in the booth upstairs watching down the game that can just call down to the referees when they make a blatant mistake like that. Um, I think the Packers deserve to win this game, but, I mean, that was a blatant pass interference on Valdez-Scantling. You just absolutely have to call that. Um, And for the Packers, Jordan Love, um, every week he continues to show flashes and look better and better. He's still young. This is still his first season as a starter. 267 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He flashed the arm. He played great. And so did A.J. Dillon. He's struggled this season, but 73 yards, averaged about four yards a carry. He had a very solid game. And for the Chiefs, uh, I thought maybe that their offense had kind of figured it out against the Raiders. It kind of just doesn't seem like that. They struggled again Pacheco. He had another solid game rushing the ball, but outside of Kelsey, four catches for eight yards, or she Rice again with a solid game, eight catches, but 64 yards. This offense just has to start figuring out a rhythm. They need to start scoring more points. But nice win for the Packers. They're in that hunt, and uh, one bit of bad news for him was Christian Watson injury late in the game. He pulled up on his hamstring, so I haven't seen anything on that. I hope he's okay.
1: Yeah, just to touch on a couple of the ref things as well. Uh, one, what you said about the uh, off-field ref that definitely should happen. I think it would be cool to see like them like up like in the booth where like the OC sits, and they just have like a heavy flag that they could just toss down <laughs> onto the field from up there, and you see it flying in. I think that would be super sick. And uh, insert uh, Packers or sorry, ref doing the Lambo leap because <laughs> yeah. the Packers just have the ultimate ultimate ref. I would say luck, but I don't know if it's luck. It's or only buys. at
0: Lambo. It feels like they only get those types of calls in Lambo.
1: They get that. They get no P.I. calls. They get phantom hands to the face and then wait a couple plays and they realize the Packers are going to lose and they give them another phantom hands to the face, whatever. (laughs) Not speaking from experience or anything. But uh, regardless, we can move on to the game that I was ready to talk about uh, off the start here. Uh, The Monday Night Football, Bengals at Jags. Bengals go and get a win 34-31. But the biggest story of this game, sadly, is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, rolling his ankle. He has a sprained ankle, which is good news uh, because it looked really bad at first. He went right to the locker room, could barely put any weight on that ankle. Uh, But it looks like he's going to be okay and maybe we'll play in a couple weeks, hopefully. But regardless, uh, that was on the drive where he got hurt. Uh, Jacksonville did miss a field goal, which proved would have been the game winner, essentially, uh, had that gone in. So that's unfortunate for them. But yeah, the Bengals now... The Joe Burrowless Bengals moved to six and six on the season. Uh, they still have a decently tough schedule coming up, although they are technically in the hunt in the playoff race. I don't, I just don't see it happening you're, unless they manage to stumble upon playing backups every week, which in today's NFL is possible, I guess. But uh, regardless, sucks for the Jags. They would have won this game probably if Trevor Lawrence didn't get hurt. Uh, but regardless, I think if you're a Jags fan, you say, okay, we're still eight and four. We come out of this game. We didn't lose our quarterback for the season when for a second it looked like maybe we were going to. So you have to take that positive and these losses happen. The Jags have been pretty solid all year, though.
0: Yeah, you've got to hope that Lawrence comes back relatively soon because you've got the Colts and Texans both creeping up on you for the division. And given how stacked the AFC really is talent-wise, and there's a lot of teams sitting at six and six, you can't afford to drop a couple games because you might fall out of the playoffs entirely. But focusing back on this game, like you said, Josh, there was that sad storyline of Trevor Lawrence. But on a positive note, Jake Browning looked phenomenal. I think he started the game out like 13 for 13 or something like that. And he was just most of them were uh, near the line of scrimmage or just quick throws to get uh, to avoid the Jaguars pass rush. And what Josh Allen does every single game is. Just wrecking offensive lines, but he finished thirty-two of thirty-seven for over three hundred and fifty yards and a score. That one score being that beautiful ball to Jamar Chase, who took it seventy-five yards to the house. But he, he looked really good. You would think that he's been starting for half a season with how professional he looked. Tyler Boyd did have that really, really, really funny interception on that. What what was forgot that about that. Like? I guess that, that? I that was what about was that, that? a yeah. wide receiver pass? You just threw yeah, it, it was like right screen, at Josh Allen. Back to the quarterback. <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious. I remember just watching that live, just like, oh, my God. But Joe Mixon found the end zone twice uh, on 19 carries for 68 yards. And he was also the second leading receiver for the Bengals with six catches and 49 yards. So he played a really solid game as well. Uh, shouldering the offensive load in the first half, it felt like. But going back to the Jags, uh, Josh Allen, he was really good. Like I said before, Travis Etienne found the end zone again. Um, Evan Engram got his first touchdown of the season, I believe. So that's that was good for him to see. And they did lose Christian Kirk. And I believe I saw on Twitter today that it was a season-ending injury. I don't – Super Bowl. They could have he, him back for the Super Bowl. He would have to come back for the Super Bowl. Given what Trevor Lawrence is right now, I don't know if they would be getting there. But, well, God bless. Let's hope those two rest up and get healthy for a playoff run.
2: Yeah, uh, those are some massive injuries for the Jags. I thought maybe Calvin Ridley would get the ball more. He got the targets, really didn't have the volume. Um, he had, uh, what was it, four catches for 26 yards. So I thought maybe he might get more, but then Evan Engram let him. Parker Washington, the rookie, he had a solid game, six catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. So nice to see him getting involved. Um, C.J. Bathard looked okay, but he's, he's just not Trevor Lawrence. This team needs Trevor Lawrence if they want to continue to make a run. If they don't have him, They could be struggling to even win the division, Um, but for the Bengals, Jake Browning looked very good, and I think this could just be another example of some great coaching. Uh, Zach Taylor, he's had a lot of criticism called on him, but he's brought us the Bengals to a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow's looked great. Joe Burrow loves him, and uh, Jake Browning went out there, backup quarterback, only his like second career start, and he played great. Uh, I also like to see another rookie, Chase Brown, get involved in the run game. We hadn't seen too much of him. He had nine carries for 61 yards. Nice to see Joe Mixon had a bet, his, a good game, uh, 68 yards and two touchdowns. This Bengals team has been very bad at running the football, so it seems like they were trying to make an emphasis of running the football to try to open up some of that passing. And um, just nice win for the Bengals. Jags really didn't want to lose this one. First Monday Night Football game in multiple years. You want to win it for your fans, just unfortunate injury. Um, It it looked really bad at first. You had Trey Hendrickson immediately go down and start praying for Trevor Lawrence, and then he can barely walk off the field and then had to walk all the way to the MRI room. I don't know how they couldn't get him a cart, what the deal with that was, but um, just hope he rests up. They didn't rule off for next week, so. All
1: right. With that being said, we'll move on to some college football. Mike, do you want to go game by game here, or do you just want to go right into the playoff talk?
2: Uh, we can just talk about some of these championship games real quick. Uh, go ahead. Uh, we'll start with the Pac-12 championship. Final Pac-12 championship most likely, considering I think next year it's just Washington State and Oregon State. But Washington and Oregon... they play each other, that's the championship. Though. that That's true. That's true. Just <laughs> um, have them play seven times. <laughs> Washington was 10-point underdogs, although they beat Oregon during the season. And Washington come out, and they do it again. Dylan Johnson had a phenomenal game. Again, he has been probably their best player over Penix in the last recent weeks. 152 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Uh, Pac-12 championship, like I just said, final Pac-12 game. And, of course, the over set at 60-and-a-half still manages to
1: hit. So Pac-12 always delivers fun football. Yeah. It, I mean, I 60-and-a-half, I, I had it at 65-and-a-half, like right before the game. Oh, I saw it at 16 and a half the night before. That might, that might've been, yeah. Oh, then night okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And I, I hit the under 65 and a half and was sweating for this game, <laughs> but yeah, this is a great game and Pac 12 delivered on this final season. It was great. Uh, great for them to go out this way. They've had a lot of sad seasons. Uh, so at least they didn't go out sad and yeah, Washington wins. They make it a little bit easier on the committee. Uh, the committee did not have a hard time. I'll get, or they did have a hard time. I'll, we'll get into that a little bit later here, but if Oregon would have won this game, it would have been just all out hell for them to decide who they're going to put in the playoff here. But regardless, Washington gets it done. Uh, they had a lot of uh, doubters in the season. Me being one of them. Um, Oregon was just really hot ten end the season. Washington was struggling. They were playing a lot of close games, but regardless, they go in there and they win a title game. They take bone Nix out of the Heisman race, basically give it to Jaden Daniels, essentially. And, yeah it was a phenomenal game and what a way for the Pac-12 to go out great
2: game and um on to maybe the biggest game of the week at this point Georgia versus Alabama the SEC championship Josh we've been talking about this all season that Bama this might not be the most talented team or whatever that Saban's had but you never count out Nick Saban no matter what and he does it again um his team's in the playoff we'll talk about that in a minute but they beat Georgia, the unanimous number one team at this point. Jalen Milrow, solid game. He had two passing touchdowns, um, 192 passing yards, and just Nick Saban might be the greatest coach of all time in college. It's kind of hard to debate, but just what a win for Alabama.
1: Yeah, he's he's the goat. He's just absolutely the goat. This is a team, maybe one of the I don't want to say one of the least talented, but early in the year they did not look great. Their O-line has struggled basically the entire season. They've been a lot better the past few weeks. And they go in there and they beat Georgia on, what was it, 29-game 20, win streak, 28-game win streak, something like that. And they go, and I believe they're undefeated against Georgia and are saving against uh, Kirby Smart in SEC Championship games now. So when it matters, I would just rather have Nick Saban on my sideline than any other coach in the country, possibly as far NFL included. Um, Alabama did what they needed to do to win this game. They put all the pressure in the world on the committee to do what they had to do, and we keep teasing it. We're going to talk about it a little later, but uh, I'm happy that the committee had to sweat this one out and deal with the backlash in the last year of this blasphemous 14 playoff that was a bad idea from the start.
2: Yeah, just yeah, what a win for Bama. Uh, on to an easier game for a uh... Power five, Michigan beats Iowa. Not much to say except for Iowa's offense is just absolutely terrible. They can't do much. Their defense is very, very good, like everyone knows. But their defense missing their best player, Cooper Dijon. Um, and their kick returner. So basically their best offensive player was out. He's been out for a couple weeks. His season is over. Um, they just had no chance, no offense. Once Michigan went up 3-0, I think the game was over.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if Michigan would have lost this game, then we would have had all out chaos. Uh, but no chance to lose this game. I'm gonna give respect to Iowa though. Ten win team playing with basically no offense. Uh, this season, going there and being able to still get double digit wins. I do we know who they drew in their bowl game? I bowl game. I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, but it's got it's got to be pretty high. They finished I think like 15th ranked or 16th or something like that. So Tennessee. Tennessee, that's right. Tennessee, oh, that'll actually maybe be a decent game. We'll see. Tennessee is a fraud. So we'll see if they can go and score some points against this Iowa defense. But even though they couldn't score (laughs) at all, they were in this game at at halftime, which is all you can ask for. But at the end of the day, Michigan got Jim Harbaugh back, and they weren't going to let this one be anything less than a dominant win.
2: Yep. And then the last Power Five Conference Championship, Big 12, Texas, Oklahoma State. Texas does what they need to do, dominates Oklahoma State. I'm not the biggest fan of this Texas team. We'll get into that in a minute, but nice win. They did what they had to do. Quinn Ewers played solid. Defense played good. Uh, This Oklahoma Oklahoma State team lost to UCF by, like, 30 points, but they beat Oklahoma. Texas lost to Oklahoma. So just a very strange year for the Big 12. I'm just not a fan of it this year. I don't think it was better than any of the other Power 5 conferences.
1: I, I'm t- I'm taking the Big Twelve over the ACC still. That's but, true, yeah. ACC, that's but it. yeah, but I, I agree. After the ACC, I'm definitely not taking them over any of the Power Three this year. But regardless, I actually like this Texas team. I think they're pretty well rounded. There is always the double caveat when you play in the Big Twelve. If you have a phenomenal defense or sorry, if you have a phenomenal offense, everybody's just only going to say that the Big 12 plays no defense no matter how good your offense is. So there's nothing you can do to really gain the respect of people. But their defense has played pretty well this season against the conference that has just loaded offenses. Maybe it's these teams playing bad defenses all season that they get to play Texas, and they're like, whoa, whoa. But regardless, Texas won basically guaranteed themselves a spot uh, in the college football playoff, and we got some big market teams now. Yeah, now we'll get into the college football playoff talk. Um,
2: A lot of debates all day, all night, on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Michigan is the number one team, Washington two, Texas three, and then the big one between Alabama and Florida State. Alabama knocks away the undefeated ACC champion, Florida State. No Power 5 team that was undefeated had ever missed the playoffs, and Florida State's the first one. Georgia at six, also missed. Um, luckily, we get to see those two teams, me in the orange ball, which will be a great game. And if Florida State finds a way to win that, that'll be very interesting. But um, I just want to hear your thoughts on it, Jeff.
1: Well, I have a lot of thoughts. I am extremely happy with the com- with what the committee did. I think they made the right decision to make the best possible playoff we could have in the last year. The uh, college football playoff four team, and you said no. Uh, Undefeated Power Five conference champ had ever missed. No SEC team, I don't think, had ever missed. Except for, did they miss the first year, the Oregon Ohio State year? I'm trying to think, they, they who missed the championship. The, I'm trying to think of who was the was Bama in that there that year, that 2014. Regardless, I don't think I, an SEC team has ever missed uh, the College Football Playoff. And at the end of the day, there's this: you go into this week with Georgia as your number one team, Alabama, who is soaring up, regardless what they were ranked before. Uh, this week because the college football playoff rankings outside of the top four just do not matter going into the conference championship week. You have a one loss Alabama team who beats the number one team in the country in Georgia. Fairly. I mean, it was a close game, but fairly convincingly uh, they were in control of this game for almost the entire game. Their only loss is a early season September loss to Texas. Now I know a lot of people were harping on the fact the scenarios before this week saying, oh, you cannot let Bama pass up Texas because the head-to-head, head, the games don't matter. I completely agree. There was no situation where I think the committee was going to keep Texas out and put Alabama in. But if we're sitting here and we're talking about an undefeated Florida State team who didn't even have a top 50 strength of schedule this season and played in what is a pretty weak ACC, I mean, we we talked about how great Louisville's been this year in their first year with Brom. They lost to a Kentucky team who struggled this season. Winning record, but they struggled for a lot of this season. They lost to them in the in rivalry week. And then they go, Florida State with, no, with their backup quarterback or third-string quarterback struggles with Louisville. They get the win in the ACC title game. But regardless, the college football playoff has never been about who is the most deserving. I'm so tired of hearing Florida State was deserving. It's not about deserving. It's about who the four best teams are, and then you look at resume. And I'm taking an Alabama team, an SEC team, the best conference in college football year in and year out with one loss to another team who also made the playoff over an undefeated Florida state team who owned their best win is week one against LSU. I don't, I mean, I understand why people are upset about it. I understand if you're a Florida state fan and you're upset about it, but at the end of the day, the committee in my opinion made the right decision and put the sec in. And now we're going to see Alabama and Michigan in the Rose bowl and Washington and Texas in the Sugar Bowl. And this is maybe the most excited I've been for a college football playoff in the decade that we've had it. This is definitely the most excited I've been for a college football playoff. I'm excited
2: for all these games. And I liked your point on the most deserving versus the best because I think that's where people just kind of get it wrong because if you went the most deserving four teams, in my opinion, you would have Washington, Michigan, Florida State at three then, considering they went undefeated, they're deserving of it. And then I'd put Bama at four if it was most deserving, considering they have maybe the best win the season against the number one team. But they went with the four best teams, which is how I guess it should be. Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Bama are the four best teams. Florida State, with Jordan Travis out, obviously is a massive factor. Who knows if he's healthy if they get in still? Um, Because Alabama has the better win. They still have the better strength of schedule. I I, I don't know it would have been something to see um i just i do feel bad for florida state though because they were deserving of it they did deserve it they have all of the right to be pissed about it um jordan travis's tweet about how he wishes he would have broke his leg earlier in the season so that the committee could have seen how good this team was that just really hit the heart um uh it sucks to see from him especially since he's a senior uh but just more motivation for this florida state team but back to the, the playoffs I think they got the best four teams. Um, I do have a gripe with, I think Washington deserves number one over Michigan, just considering I, they played in a harder conference. They had a tougher out-of-conference schedule. They played Boise State, who won the Mountain West this year, and they at least played a power five team at Michigan State, who was pretty bad, but it's still a power five team at least. Uh, Michigan's out-of-conference schedule was a joke. But Michigan, I guess, overcame adversity. Um I don't I don't think that's enough to deserve this spot, one number one spot over Washington. But I think overall,
1: I think the committee got it right. I'm happy. I just feel bad for Florida State. Yeah, uh, I understand your point on Washington. I see why people are upset about that. The biggest thing, though, I don't even think is uh, them being the two seed. I just think it's the fact that they have to go travel to New Orleans now and play a road game, which doesn't make any sense. They should have easily been – but then you get back into the fact where if they have to go if they play in the Rose Bowl then Michigan is playing a road game in New Orleans against against uh, Texas. So it goes both ways. But yeah, like you said, I completely agree with what the committee did. They did it right. I'm happy that they had to sweat it out a little bit for coming up with this egregious 14-team playoff. And at the end of the day, even though I am a proponent of the 12-team playoff and anyone that loves college football is, at the end of the day we're going to have to deal with this again when it comes to the 11 and 12 seed when there's six teams who are all 8 and 3 or 9 and 2 that are all deserving to make this spot we're going to have the same problem once again but it'll be a little bit less when you don't have when you have undefeated teams not making it but but yeah i mean if it was the most deserving then UCF would have been in it 3 years ago like it's it's not about if you go undefeated, if you go undefeated and your best win is week one against LSU or an unconvincing championship game against Louisville, who's a team that we don't really even know what they are at this point. I don't understand the outrage from non FSU fans, but you want to you want to give some predictions here? Some predictions. I mean, we got I'm a ready. few we got a few weeks to go, but I mean, we got the we got the playoff out here. Um, you can You can go first because I haven't really thought about this.
2: I don't really need to think, to be honest. I think Alabama is a better team than Michigan at this point. Alabama's loss to Texas was early in the season. Um, they The next game after that, they benched Milrow. They only beat South Florida by a 17-3 to game. Um, but since that game, I just consider this Alabama team completely different. I think they are way better than that. And uh, from Michigan, we haven't really seen them against a team like this that can kind of just bully them. There's uh, players that are bigger than them. And then the video of Michigan when Bama came in at number four mm-hmm. and the groans. I think Michigan might be a little nervous. They can say whatever they want. I'm taking. Who Alabama let that video get out, man? Who yeah. let that video get out? Yeah, I'm taking Michigan, or I'm taking not Michigan. I'm taking Alabama to beat them, and then in Washington, Texas, I'm actually going to take Washington. They've proved time and time again that they can win games. They're undefeated. They beat Oregon twice in games that many people said they shouldn't. And Texas, I think they're good, but I just don't think they're that good. So I'm just going to go with uh, Washington, Michael Penix Jr. versus Jalen Miller for the title. You got, a, you
1: got a winner for us?
2: Oh, I got a winner? Yeah. No, I'm going to pick Bama to win it. Um, I think they're currently playing the best football out of all four of these teams. They just beat Georgia. And so I just think Miller going to have a phenomenal game. Their defenses look good. Burton, their receivers look good. Bond. Um, they're just hitting the stride at the right moment and never bet against them.
1: Yeah, before I get into my prediction, really quick, I just want to say, in the event—not if, but when—Georgia beats the breaks off FSU, I hope all the talk about FSU being in the playoff is is out of there because Georgia is going to beat the breaks off them, and that's going to—you were never putting in a team with a bottom or not a top fifty strength schedule over the SEC champion. We're never even considering that. Uh, but regardless. I am also as well going to go with Bama to beat Michigan. I just – I'm going to trust Nick Saban. He is just dominant no matter if he's the 1 seed, the 2 seed, the 3 seed, the 4 seed. He is dominant, and it just seems like all the signs are pointing towards Alabama this year. The Washington-Texas game is tough for me. Um, I honestly think this is a a flip-a-coin game, but I'm going to go – With Texas because it is a like I said it's gonna be a home game for them in New Orleans. I think if this is the Rose Bowl, I would have taken Washington, but I'm gonna take Texas with the home field advantage. And then when it comes down to trying to beat Nick Saban twice in a season, no man on this earth is doing that. I got Bama winning the College Football Playoff as well, and just I just the fact that considering leaving the SEC champion out of the College Football Playoff is just disrespectful and they have something to prove, and I think they're going to go out there and win it, and Jalen Milro being benched week three and then coming back and leading his team to a national championship is going to be maybe the best story uh, in the college football playoff history outside of if TCU would have somehow uh, come out and beat Georgia last year, which they did not come close to doing. But regardless of that, I think that about does it. Zach, you got you got anything for us? You can give a prediction here. Come on.
0: Ah, I, I guess I could. I'll probably just rock with what you guys did. I mean, I think Bama's definitely a better team than Michigan. I also am not a big Michigan fan myself. It just means more in the SEC as a Kentucky fan. Nice. I see that I see that firsthand week in and week out when I do catch a game. And like you said, uh, Texas and Washington, I think that's probably a coin flip, but I think I got to go with Penix. Uh, I think he's been a really interesting guy to watch this year at the quarterback position. Uh, lefties are always a really fun uh just player to watch. So I, I'm kind of rooting for him. And then Bama's just better. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't count out Saban ever. So I, I guess I'm going with Bama just by default, but this felt like, I know there was a bunch of controversy with FSU, but I feel like in years past, there were uh, like in previous playoff, like committee selections, there were teams that were like, yeah, they were good. They could have like deserved it, I guess, but there's no way you can put them in over, like, X, Y, Z. But this year, like, the only thing you could really argue was FSU. And still, like, you can't. They they just didn't have the talent across the board that these other teams do.
2: Yeah. I mean, Liberty's undefeated, too. Uh, do they have a right to make the playoffs? Who knows?
0: Um, I mean, and- I went undefeated in one of my Madden franchises, so I think I should be coaching <laughs> the Super Bowl next year. But, <laughs> but hey, that's just because I went undefeated, right? <laughs> Yeah. I'm not. I'm thing. not going to lie.
1: Th- this might. This might be a hot take here. If Texas doesn't win in Tuscaloosa, I think I would rather see, or not rather. I think it would be more deserving to have Bama three, Georgia four, than put FSU in there. I'm. I'm just. I. That's how I feel. Number it's one team game. all season. They lose to Alabama, who's another playoff team. I'm taking one loss Georgia, who lost to Alabama in the SEC championship, over FSU, who didn't play anyone. That's a hot take. Um, not. I don't know about too.
0: that. <laughs> I-, I could see it. <laughs> In that situation where
1: Alabama's undefeated, I guess, and they're probably the one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think Florida State would make it in that scenario. But one thing to not be understated in the Michigan family game, uh, a guy who hates Michigan's guts is Nick Saban. He does not like Michigan at all. He's not a fan. He coached at Michigan State for multiple years. That's kind of where his career started as a head coach in college. He does not like Michigan. He's not going to take this game lightly. This game's personal for him, so. You don't You're want also giving
0: up. them like multiple weeks to prepare, which is always a terrible idea. So, well, great idea for Alabama, but you give that good of a coach multiple weeks to prepare for a single opponent, he's going to find every single weakness and just pick it apart. Like, that's by a thousand paper cuts. He will murder you very easily.
1: I will say in the scenario that you said, Mike, where Washington gets one and Michigan gets two, I do think we just see michigan Bama, in the national championship again. So Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm just
2: going to real quick rip off the rest of the New Year's Bowls, New Year's Six Bowl games. Uh, We got the Peach Bowl. That will be Ohio State versus Missouri. I'm assuming there will be no Kyle McCord considering he entered the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, Which is just kind of a shocking revelation. Seems like he might not have been given that quarterback position next year. And who knows if there'll be any Marvin Harrison Jr. If he will forego it to prepare for the draft. Orange Bowl, like we touched on Georgia, Florida State. That's going to be a game. A lot of people are going to tune in to see if Florida State gets it done. And if they do, then they definitely have a right to be extremely pissed at the committee and declare themselves national championships like UCF. Uh, Fiesta Bowl. Oregon versus Liberty. Oregon's very good, and Liberty is undefeated, but, I mean, Oregon is going to wipe the floor with them. I guess I shouldn't say that. Last year we saw Tulane and USC, and Tulane ended up beating USC, but I think Oregon will wipe the floor with Liberty. And then the last two playoff games, number one, Michigan, number four, BAM, in the Rose Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl, number two, Washington versus Texas, number three.
1: Yeah, last thing I'm going to say about this uh, Florida State situation, uh, they're going to do whatever they can to get in the SEC now. They know. They know they have to. They can be in there with their rival, Florida. It makes sense. And then that just begs the question, who is the other team to come over? I know there's. they've been saying they're not going to do it, but my God, Clemson. Clemson and FSU get in the SEC and just just make it a dominant, dominant conference. That would that be would insane.
0: Be. I would love that. I don't watch college ball that much, but it that would sense. be awesome.
1: It makes sense. There's no reason for them to be in the ACC. I mean, come on. Who? It's got, I mean, we're at the point in college football where it's going to be Big Ten and the SEC, so you might as well
0: get where you got to be. Just jump I guess, Just do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe – actually, I don't know, because now in the 12-team playoff, maybe you do want to stay in a shit conference and just win your conference and then get in easily. Yeah. But. I guess there's there's sides to both of it, but we can move on to NFL Week Preview if you guys want to do that now. I got, we got one more thing
2: real quick. We're going to make a couple, okay, one more prediction. Uh, they announced a Heisman finalist oh, right. for the Heisman trophy. One of the greatest trophies in college sports, Jane Daniels, Marvin Harrison, Jr., Michael Penix, Bo Nix. What do you guys got to be Daniels? Yeah, He's like a minus 500
1: favorite. There's no, that uh, it's going to be Daniels, but this is the thing though, is Jordan Travis probably would have won Heisman if he would have stayed healthy. So it's hard to argue you lose a – it's not – you're not just losing your quarterback. You're losing who probably would have won the Heisman. Like, I know it's this team more than a quarterback, but when you have the Heisman, like, I think it's that's an argument to be made if you're just a significantly worse team.
0: I mean, when Travis went down, I think that's kind of when everyone, like, realized the season that Daniels was having. Personally, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Maserati Marv, according to uh, Gus Johnson – but neighbors had like a statistically a better season than Marvin Harrison. Granted the quarterback position was vastly different from for each of them, but I, I was impressed by what um, neighbors did as well. Regardless of that, I think I'm going Daniels. I think he was just phenomenal. He had a lot of wow plays and he also did the little things right. For the most part, he was phenomenal as a rusher and a passer. He, 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 a lot of his tape just jumped off the screen, and I think I think he takes on this Heisman.
2: Yep, I'm with you guys. I think Jane Daniels wins it. Uh, I was really expecting Penix to kind of pull away in the middle in the season, in the middle of the season. Um, sadly, that didn't happen. Dylan Johnson kind of just took over this Washington offense, but Jane Daniels has about 800 more yards than Bo Nix, 700 more than Penix. Uh, more, I think 10 more. I think he had 50 total touchdowns. I think Bo Nix had 40. Penix had 33. He wins in almost every statistical margin. Marvin Harrison, like you said, he had a great season, but really didn't win the game that he had to against Michigan to get it. So I think Jane Daniels should win this pretty easily. Uh just wish someone pulled away again. It hasn't I feel like it's been a while since we've had a Heisman pull away like Joe Burrow did. But I think Jane Daniels is another L S U quarterback
1: to go win it. Yeah, L S U saw the opportunity, the staff had. They saw the opening and they took it. So shout out to them. But all right, we can now move on to NFL Week 14 preview. Before we start this week preview, I just want to say for all the NBA fans out there, the in-season tournament is currently going on. Uh, I believe by next week it will be over. So we can, next on next week's probably Wednesday episode, I would assume, uh, we can just do a quick check-in on how the first couple weeks of the NBA season have gone so far. We'll talk about the in-season tournament and whatever, because we won't have any cause we want to discuss for the next three weeks. But... Moving on to the Thursday night football game of Week fourteen, or first the only buys this week, uh, the Washington Commanders, and <laughs> and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so good for us. I gotta watch yourself there. <laughs> Not good. Yeah, for us. I I I caught, I caught myself. I caught myself. Get us canceled. <laughs> Thursday's. There's an F football, Pats at Steelers. I wish this game was canceled. Uh this going to be a tough one to watch. Battle of the backups, not our only battle of the backups this week. Uh the Patriots didn't score any points against a bad Chargers secondary at home last week. They lost 6 to 0 and now they're playing a defense in the Steelers which is really really good despite having a tough week last week. Uh, I legitimately think this could be like a 7 to 0 game similar to the the Chargers Pats game. It's also in Pittsburgh. I know the the Steelers are six point five point favorites in this game, although I don't think that's a crazy line because of how bad the Pats are. I don't know if the Steelers should be sick, a touchdown favorite against any team, honestly, with the way their offense is and having a backup quarterback in. This is though a must win game for the Steelers with their schedule coming up. I know they have at Ravens and I forget who else they have on their schedule. I know oh, this next week. Oh, yeah, they have the Colts. They have another tough game week seventeen. I think though I, I can't remember if that's mad, but. Regardless, I'm going with the Steelers here. I'm just never picking the Pats.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't have too much to say about this one. Uh, Pats are going to be missing Ramondre Stevenson, their best offensive player. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to be missing their starting quarterback, but um, it Mitch will be serviceable enough to put up at least three or four field goals. I think the Steelers win this one probably 12-3. to three.
2: Yeah, Al Michaels has had his displeasure announcing games, I feel like, this year, and this is another game that he probably will. Uh, just another bad team we got to give Val Michaels something there. He's going to retire on us because this is just disgraceful. I know people don't like Al Michaels, which is just ridiculous, but I love Al Michaels. Um, One of the greats. Patriots defense has been elite these last couple weeks. Surprisingly, Uh, their offense has been whatever the opposite of elite is, um, abysmal. Patriots have given up less than 10 points in the past three weeks each game. I think it was like 10, 10 and six. And they are 0 and 3 and four weeks in a row if you include the bye. So, um, Defenses play great. They're 0 3 in those games. Uh, I don't know how that's really possible. You give up, you give up less than 10 points, and you can't win a football game. Um, what are we doing here? So, just, just abysmal. They only have two games this year where they score over 20 points, and in one of those games they scored exactly 20. This has to be almost up there. I don't know the stats behind this one, but it has to be one of the worst offenses ever for a season, at least in the modern era, because this is. Kind of, It's just impressive at this point. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi both stink. Uh, Whether it's coaching confidence, I don't know. But Steelers' offense, it's better than the Patriots. It's not great. They should be able to put up points, find a way to win. Primetime home game, terrible towels flying. It'd be a disaster if they found a way to lose this game, and it would dramatically hurt their playoff shots. Uh I got the pa- uh, Steelers in a low-scoring game, over-under set, I think, at like 30. That could be generous. I think it might go under 30, but... I think the Steelers win this one.
1: Yeah, the Steelers' uh, upcoming schedule after this game, they have three out of their last four on the road. They go into Indy, then they play Jake Browning and the Bengals at home, and then into Seattle and into Baltimore to finish the season. So this game and the Bengals' game are must, must wins for them. But moving the on here. I think it's a must win as well. Yeah, I just that's think that's going to be a tough game. Playoff start. Yeah, I just think that's going to be a tough game to win for them. I just think the Colts are just a better team. That's why I I just – I'm only saying the Bagels in this one are must-wins just because they should beat these teams. Okay, fair. But, yeah, we're – I mean, they're probably going to need to win one of those three road games, so if they want to get in. We'll see how it goes here. And if they lose one of the two home games, they're probably done. But we can move on here. Zach, we tango once again. (laughs) Lions at Bears this time. And I'm going to be honest. This is genuinely one of the most worried I've been for the Lions in a game this season. I just think this is going to be a tough matchup for them. Are the Bears a good team? Absolutely not. Are the Lions a good team? Yes. But like I said, I've, and I've said many times on here, the Lions struggle against running quarterbacks. You have a game here which is looking like it's going to be a snow game, uh, which should be very, very interesting. The Lions' O-line is very beat up. Ragnar, we have not gotten an update, but I would be blown away to see him playing this week. I do not think he'll play this week, meaning that, Graham Glasgow will have to move and start at center, which he's done a couple times this year. Colby Colby Swordsall will be be playing guard uh, opposite of Jonah Jackson. And then the tackles Decker and Panay Sewell should be playing as well. But we got the news today, Tuesday. Ali McNeil onto the IR. Really tough for the Lions here. I mean, he was their second best D lineman all season. I mean, we talked about how Hutch has zero help. He's had zero edge help all season. And then you add the only other decent player on this D-line uh, getting hurt and going to the IR. Hopefully they, the Lions hope he'll be back for the playoffs uh, or maybe even week 18, but he's out till at least week through week 17 now. Um, I just want to state this Lions defense. Before the season, I had a lot of hope for this team. They brought in a lot of good players. They brought in Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Their D-line rotation was great last year. And overall, they've kind of just gotten – Screwed, I will say. They have, uh, going into the season, I would say their top five defensive players are Hutch 1, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, C.D. Deuce is his name now, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that he changed his name. Uh, So C.D. Deuce 2, Cam Sutton 3, Ali McNeil 4, and Emmanuel Mosley 5. The only players that have been able to stay healthy of that group is Hutch and Sutton. C.J. Gardner-Johnson played like a game and a half uh, and has been out since... Ali McNeil is now out, like I said, for probably the rest of the regular season. And Emmanuel Mosley played like one quarter of a ball this year. So it's been pretty tough for them. And that's not even mentioning your second best edge rusher from last year. James Houston breaks his leg in the second game. And if it weren't for guys like Brian Branch and Hutch and Cam Sutton, this, I said it on Twitter today, without those three guys, if one of those guys gets hurt, we genuinely could be looking at one of the worst defenses of all time statistically. I would be really, really worried if one of those guys went out, and I just pray to God every night that that doesn't happen. Um, but looking back at the Bears and the Lions here, a couple of weeks ago they played Bears outplayed the Lions in Detroit. Lions uh, came back and took advantage of Fields' late game struggles and just being a better team overall. Capitalized on mistakes that the Bears made. Uh, play calling wise as well. And they went and got that win. They're not going to be able to play like they did in that game uh, this Sunday where they will lose Jared Goff Historically has not played very well in the cold. I even look back to a game like last year when the lions were rolling and couldn't lose a game, if they were going to make the playoffs and they go into Carolina in a game that wasn't even really that cold. It was like 40 degrees or something. Jared Goff was flustered all game. They lost that game. I am genuinely really worried uh, for this game overall, the Lions are going to have to run well. They're going to have to stop the run and somehow contain Fields. They struggle against running quarterbacks. They have to figure that out. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to pick the Bears in this game. Really? No, oh I'm not picking the Bears. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm picking. I'm picking. I'm picking the Lions, of course. Uh, I would absolutely never ever do that. And I do. I do think the Lions are going to win this game. I just think it's going to be a tough game.
0: All right, I, I got a lot to unpack here. Uh, I talked a lot about the Bears in my little mini episode last week while these two were out with uh, illness. But speaking of Ali McNeil, he's been phenomenal this year. The guy that he would have been lining up against in this game, Kevin Jenkins, 272 pass blocking snaps, zero sacks allowed. Forget pro bowler. This is all pro level, all pro level play. Can't talk today. He has played both left guard and right guard at points this year, and he's been absolutely phenomenal in both pass protection and run blocking. Now, I'm going to talk about Justin Fields a little bit. Now, stay seated. Let's not freak out a little bit. Since week four, there have been only three quarterbacks with a 105 or better passer rating with a minimum of 100 attempts. Those quarterbacks are Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, both in the MVP conversation and justin fields granted i'm not saying justin fields deserves to be in the mvp conversation in those games since week four he even missed two against very sorry defenses with the raiders and the chargers and he's still putting up those really 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 solid stats and has looked much improved since those first three games against green bay kansas city and tampa bay i'm going to stick with my prediction or not prediction my uh my statement uh, I made it last Tuesday or Wednesday. I think he should be our starting quarterback in 2024. Granted, there's still five more games for polls and the rest of the front office to really figure it out. So I think there's definitely a lot. There's a lot of leeway where we can go with this. But sticking with this game, like you said, Josh, looking real snowy. This is a secondary that Detroit has that's been really shaky as of the last month or so because of both injuries and just they've been getting exposed after a little while. Uh, Justin Fields in his first game back from injury. He played against his team, put up almost 300 total yards of offense on the ground. And as a passer, one touchdown, only one or I don't even think he had a registered turnover. He just got sacked on that final possession that he fumbled, but it was a safety. I think Justin Fields, regardless of how snowy it is, I don't think we're expecting like blizzard snow. So I think he's going to run for probably close to 100 yards again, maybe eclipse 200 yards passing just because I don't think we're going to be throwing a million screens like last week. I'm sticking to my word. I'm picking the Bears. I think. Finally, finally. (laughs) It's not even that. It's the fact that last last time we played, Jared Goff looked absolutely atrocious. And the Bears still somehow lost in a game that they should have won if the game ended at the 56-minute mark. This team is going to be real pissed about it. I think they're going to come in. They're going to play hard. They're going to start strong, especially running the ball in fields, probably hitting a downfield shot or two after what they didn't do last week and seeing how that throw to DJ Moore to set up the game-winning field goal, helped move the ball. I think they're going to start attacking downfield to DJ Moore early. I think he's going to have probably eight-plus receptions in this game, hopefully over 150 yards. But whether depending, I have a lot of confidence in this offense coming off of a rough game and against a really rough defense whose scheme is nothing like uh, Minnesota's scheme. So I'm going to Chicago, and I think Justin Fields puts another really solid game together.
2: Yeah, I'm having a tough time with this game. Um, I think it's going to be close. Lions defense needs to start playing better. They've just been – just haven't been to the level that they should be at. They need to be able to show the ability to stop a running quarterback as well, especially if they want a chance in the playoffs. They have to show something. Their run defense has been solid, but like I said, the mobile quarterbacks have been their weakness. Hopefully this offense started getting things going again last week, spreading the ball out to Laporta, JMO getting involved, and not much Amon Ra, but um, hopefully their offense can continue to grow off that performance. For the Bears, they should have won this game the last time these two teams played. DJ Moore had a very good game, seven catches, 96 yards. Um, their run defense has also been very good this season. Uh, we know the Lions want to run the football with Gibbs and Montgomery and the Lions ran the ball. Okay. 150 yards, 22 carries, and they were playing behind in most of that game. So if the Lions get ahead early. I think they should win this game, uh, but I'm not sure they will do that. I think it's going to be close. And I'm actually, I'm going to leave this down to you two. I want each of you 10 seconds. You get 10 seconds to convince me why your team will win this game. I have the timer. That's Let's crazy. Go. <laughs>
0: Who going first? You want to go first, Josh?
2: Josh, you go first, okay? Okay, Ten okay, 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 okay. I'm ready. Ten seconds.
1: Yeah. yeah. The Lions are just more talented at most positions in this game. As I think about it, I'm worried about Jared Goff with the cold, but a snow game, I'm not worried about the Lions' second getting burnt because there won't be many downfield throws. The Lions are a better Timer, runner. It's Timer. Timer.
0: Okay. Okay. You're gonna start it on my on when I go, or am I going on? I'll you? start it when you go. I'll start it when you go. Okay. The Bears are healthier. Last time they played, they were the better team for 56 minutes. They're going to be pissed. Justin Fields has a really good chance to go off against a really bad secondary, and his strength is throwing the ball deep. Go with the better.
2: Okay, just remind me real quick, Zach, how many minutes are in a football game?
0: <laughs> I was going to comment think, on I that think as it's well. 50, I think it's 56 plus four, but I'm not entirely sure. You might have to fact check me on that one.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to take the team that plays all 60
1: minutes. I'll go with the Lions. <laughs>
2: cheers
0: Hey, Zach, there was a, there were some
1: clock issues last time the Bears and Lions played. I don't know if you remember. There were some clock issues. Maybe there will be enough clock
0: issues where they just won't play the final four minutes of this one. Hey, I mean, I <laughs> maybe there actually wasn't four minutes left and they gave you extra time to come back. I think that's what looked into. <laughs> I blame Fox. Fox is but, atrocious for that.
2: Yeah. That's it after, one more uh, thing I didn't mention, though. Oh, okay. uh, I did want to say one thing about the Aleem McNeil injury. That is very big uh that's really gonna hurt the lions d-line obviously in a big fashion considering he's one of their best players i did see that in sue is looking i was about a to say does it
1: does he go home oh, i would i would love
0: to see him. i mean if he's looking for a contender why is he looking at detroit right all right all right <laughs> gotta get a quick jab in there i'll probably go to the eagles i bet i mean all
1: these cowards like Darius Leonard are just picking. He just he
0: wouldn't select. play much though because they got Cox, Davis, and Carter. I mean, I feel like he might want to go somewhere where he's a bigger role. I think Detroit is definitely uh, a likely spot for him. Uh, Dan Campbell, Brad
1: Holmes just doesn't like to make any flashy moves though. He only takes uh guys that you can't pronounce their name most of the time. <laughs> but I mean, actually, I guess that kind of does apply. A lot of people can't say Indomikin, so <laughs> I guess maybe that does kind of apply. But I would love. To see big 9-0 back in the D. I think that would be, well, I think that would be phenomenal. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it would be great for just morale, though. I mean, I know Lions fans would love to see it. May I mean even if it's just bring him in this week and have him stomp on Justin Fields one or two times. Maybe, whoa, maybe that, whoa. maybe that's maybe that's the play, but yeah, he, he has his strengths in that in that regard.
0: <laughs> I was gonna withhold my dirty player comments, but ugh. No, i don't, I don't think any win. i don't think any
1: lions fan would tell you he's not a dirty player i think we know who, i think we know what it is but he was also a every
0: team every team needs a guy like that so you do whether it's the song grace Grayson allen or now the lions maybe getting sue back never know and Grayson allen's not doing nothing but lighting that net on fire this season though let's not let's <laughs> not get it twisted <laughs>
1: all right we can move on now uh from that segment moving on to bucks at falcons huge matchup we teased it last uh, episode talking about how big this matchup was going to be It is a huge game for the falcons to build their lead on the nfc south uh, by the way the lions did sweep the nfc south so I'm going to put that out there for whatever it's worth um so they would have we can just crown them nfc south champs we're going to just take the north and the south um, on our civil war shit but regardless uh, both teams in this game are bottom three in red zone offense and top four in red zone defense. So it's going to just come down to whatever team performs better in the red zone this, this game. Are we going to see Ritter go out there and fumble three times in the red zone? Are we going to see them run the ball with Bijan and get him in the end zone? That's really the key to this one. The Falcons key to success all season will always be running the ball and stopping the run. If they can do those two things, they're going to win games against teams that they're better than. I think they do that at home against the bucks here. and we can never forget Ritter's dominance at home.
0: We definitely cannot. Like you said, Josh, Tampa Bay, if they want to have a chance in this game, they got to stop the run. Their last two games they've played, they gave up over hundred to Chuba Hubbard last week, and then they gave up over 150 combined between Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss against the Colts. So Atlanta, they, they got Bijan Robinson, who is arguably one of the more talented backs in the league, regardless of his usage. Uh, thanks Arthur Smith. But, If they want a chance, they're going to have to see the ugly Desmond Ritter, and then they're going to have to stop the run and just not let them really build up any momentum. Atlanta still moved the ball decently well at times against a really solid New York Jets defense last week. Tampa Bay is definitely a step down from that, at least a step down. Uh, I'm going with Atlanta in this one. I trust that Desmond Ritter is going to get the ball to his playmakers, and the duo of Okuda and AJ Terrell will be able to lock up Mike Evans enough to keep uh, Tampa Bay from moving the chains.
2: It's taken me a lot to not pick the Buccaneers in this game, but I am going to go with the Falcons. This game's at home. This team plays better in Atlanta, and they did beat Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. I do think the Buccaneers are playing better now than they were at that moment, but um, just a big game, high stakes. Uh, Falcons win significantly increases their chance to win the divisions. If the Bucs wins, they can easily take this division for themselves and win it again. Um, Falcons offense has been tough to watch, but they have weapons just as much as the Buccaneers. Maybe they're younger. Um, they don't have a weapon as good as Mike Evans, but they have Bijan Robinson. They can, they have all the weapons to score on this defense. This defense is good in the red zone. Um, I'm kind of predicting uh, a young Hoku game winning field goal. That's my prediction. I think Atlanta Falcons win this one late. Uh, I think Bijan Robinson has a solid game. Drake London has a solid game and they squeak one past him.
1: Young Waycoo is a. Uh... Slowly working his way into the best kickers of all time, though he's if he's been he's,
0: he's been arguably the, the best this year.
2: i um, has been yeah. phenomenal. I did do a study over the last three years, and the number one kicker
1: in terms of kicking is Young Way So, yeah, he's he is that guy. Uh, he he has been for a few years now. So we will move on here though to your team, Mike Colts and Bengals. The Bengals are coming off a big win. We talked about it at the top of this episode. But I I do still truly believe that they don't get that win if Trevor Lawrence doesn't go down. Um, the Colts, on the other hand, are rolling and they are deep now in playoff contention, sitting at seven and five. A lot of teams in that little uh, bundle of teams of seven and five, six and six in the AFC. So the Colts are going to have to continue to win games against teams that they're better than. I think I truly do think they're better than the Bengals. Colts are just a well coached, disciplined team. They've played so many close games this year. Seven of their twelve games are what were one score games so far this season. They're five and two in those games, and they played three overtime games in twelve games. It's twenty five percent of their games have been overtime. They're two and one in that stretch, and I just like the Colts. I think they're going to win. Move to eight and five, and I think you're you're looking at the Colts. I mean, I haven't really peeked at their schedule. They're, how how's their schedule
2: looking? Big game against the Steelers next week. Um, still got the. Uh... Texans again. That's going to be a massive game. Let's look. okay. Steelers
1: at Falcons, possible win. Steelers, I think is a win at Falcons, possible win. Raiders is a win, and then Texans is whatever. But maybe they don't even need to win that Texans game. It depends on how the Texans finish out here. But that could be a win and in scenario. That would be, that would be fun. Maybe that gets flexed. Uh, similar to what we saw with Green Bay and the Lions last year, flex the Sunday night divisional matchup. Winner gets in. That would be fun, but... I feel like you yeah,
0: have to. I, that would touch the
1: Yeah, if, if I had to place a bet right now, I'm betting on the Colts getting in the playoffs, so I'm going to take the Colts here.
0: Yeah, I definitely think the Colts are the better team, for sure, in terms of just health and the reliability at quarterback. Regardless, this is another battle of the backups, but Browning was actually really solid last week. We talked about it a little bit a couple of days ago on our recap pod, but he was going to Jamar uh, early and often, forcing defense up, and then once he started hitting play action, they started taking shots a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, and then they finally took the top off with that 75-yard bomb to Jamar Chase on a really nice catch and, a, and throw. Um, regardless, I do think Cincinnati, Zach Moss, is going to have a really solid game. Uh, I think Cincinnati, they just want people to keep up with what the Colts want to do on offense, and they're really solid playmakers with Pittman, Downs, even a little bit of Alec Pierce, as we saw last week, had a couple of really nice catches on go-routes that he's been running a lot of this year. And Zach Moss out of the backfield, we can't forget about him. is an actually really solid quarterback. I think he's going to outplay Browning in this one, and I got the Colts.
2: Jake Browning, he looked great last week. I don't know if he can put up a performance like that every single week, though. Um, he got the ball to Jamar Chase. That's what this offense needs to do, get their best player in those situations. But I got to go with the Colts in this one. Um, game is in Cincinnati. It's still pretty close to Indy. I think they'll travel well. But um, Colts, they've been playing good football recently, and they get a big acquisition this week in Grover Stewart. He's back off of the suspension list. That will dramatically help their run defense. He's one of the best run defenders in all of football. He's one of the better defensive tackles in all of football. And getting him back to help this defensive line, which has already been very good this year, and one of the best Colts defensive lines of all time at this point, They're currently second in the NFL in sacks, yet they have the lowest blitz rate in the NFL at only 14.5% of the time. They're able to get to the quarterback. Their secondary has been doing a great job just preventing passes and getting coverage sacks. We saw a lot of those last week. Um, Some bad injury news. Braden Smith will probably be out, I'm assuming, with the knee injury that he picked up last week. Luckily, I don't think this should be a season-ending injury. He was on the sideline in his jersey and pads Ready to possibly play, maybe if an emergency situation last week, but I would expect him to possibly sit. Um, Blake Freeland get the start. Uh, Juju Brent's possibly back this week as well. That'll help the secondary, which has already these last couple weeks, they've been playing pretty good football. Um, that was their struggle early in the season, but especially against the uh, Browns and some other teams, which if they get that Browns win, they're sitting at eight and four right now and looking great. But uh, I'm going with the Colts. I think they win this one. I think their defense has been their defense has been playing good football, and I think their offense can get it done. Zach Moss struggled last week. I think he finds it this week.
1: Yeah, I know it's I know it's hard uh, to be like, oh, just because Anthony Richardson's better, the the Colts would have a better record right now. But honestly, rookie quarterback, don't do you think that maybe there's a chance they have a worse record with Anthony Richardson right now? I'm not saying he's worse than Minshew, but rookie quarterbacks are usually not as good in close games.
0: I mean, from what what we saw from Richardson, he was honestly steadily getting better and better in terms of a passer every single game, and he has one thing that Minshew will probably never have, regardless of amount of practice. He's got the ability to use his legs like almost nobody else in the league, so you could make an argument that, yeah, his inexperience could falter that record a little bit, but... They could be winning even more if Richardson comes in because he might just break off a 75-yard touchdown on like a read option or just a broken coverage or something and just do it with his legs that Minshew can't do.
2: Yeah, I, agree. I think they have more wins with Anthony Richardson. Shane Steichen has done a phenomenal job scheming up great plays, getting people open. And I feel like he's kind of limited with Gardner Minshew a little bit. He doesn't have the arm that Anthony Richardson has. These RPO plays have been great, and I think Anthony Richardson would absolutely thrive off of them. Um, so I think the Colts would be better with Anthony Richardson, considering, like you said, Zach, his legs. So if he's healthy, I think this team has eight wins as well. Like, yeah, eight wins.
1: Just one more. All right, moving on here to Jags at Browns, another battle in the backups likely. Um, good news is Trevor Lawrence, like we said early earlier, his injury does not seem too, too severe. Ankle sprains can be tricky, but – Ankle sprain is more of a scary thing when we're talking about hoops, if we're being honest here. It's easier to tape up an ankle and give you a shot of something and be all right as a quarterback, especially Trevor Lawrence. So although he is very mobile and underrated, sneaky fast, he could sit in the pocket and do what he has to do on a sprained ankle for sure. But no reason to risk it in this game. I expect a very low-scoring game here. Not only do we have two backups, but we have two pretty good defenses, although the Jags' defense did not look great. Uh, in this past game on Monday night, uh, Jags' defense is still pretty good. they played great most of the season, and we know what the Browns' defense can do. Um, actually, it's Browns' and Browns defense didn't play too well last week either. So, um, regardless, I like the Browns' quarterback situation better with Flacco. I like their defense better overall, and the fact that they're at home, it's hard for me to pick the Jags here. I'm going to go with the Browns.
0: Yeah, I'm going with Cleveland as well. Uh, speaking on the part of uh, Jacksonville's defense last week, Cleveland doesn't have a playmaker, at least a healthy playmaker right now, like Jamar Chase. So I think you can argue that Jacksonville, like their big weakness, was not having a superstar to match Jamar Chase, at least stride for stride on the in the secondary. So that was a huge reason as why they just kept giving up those chunk plays to him. Cleveland, on the other hand, yeah, they're rocking with Flacco. Definitely a lot more experience. Uh he was He was solid last week, but unfortunately didn't win. And their defense didn't play too well either. I think Miles Garrett is probably going to take really, really like, what's the word I'm looking for? Not strong advantage. He's going to, he's just going to take advantage of the fact that there's a backup quarterback back there playing with receivers that he really hasn't played again, played with too much in training camp or in preseason just because he's a backup. Uh, Calvin Ridley, this is going to have to be a game where he gets involved. Very often, if the Jags want a chance to win, especially without having Christian Kirk to man that slot position, they're going to have to rely on Zay Jones a lot. I'm not too keen on Zay Jones as a number two option in your offense as a pass catcher, but regardless, I'm going Cleveland. I think their defense makes way too many plays, forces a lot of turnovers, and they're going to get good field position out of it.
2: Yep, battle of backup QBs. This game's in Cleveland. The weather is going to be pretty chilly, around 40 to 45 degrees. I'm not a fan of Jacksonville and Florida teams going up there to cold states like that. I think that's going to be an advantage for the Browns. Since 2018, the Jags are 1-12 when the weather is below 45 degrees. Uh, their offense against top defenses, the Chiefs, they only put up nine points. 49ers, they only put up three points. So they're not going to have their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, Um I just don't really like the Jags that much in this game. No Christian Kirk, obviously. Hopefully he can come back at some point in the season. Unlikely. I don't expect Trevor Lawrence to play. Browns defense struggled last week. Miles Garrett has struggled the last two weeks. I think he gets back on track. Um, he, odds of him going three weeks without a sack is probably very low. Um, Flacco, he looked solid last week. I expect him to put up just another 17 to 24 points, and I think that should be enough for this Browns team to win the game. So I got the Browns this.
1: Cold battle. All right, moving on here to Panthers at Saints, NFC South battle number two. I do not expect this game to be pretty chilly, uh, considering it's inside. Uh, but this is a must-win game for the Saints. Um, the Saints played really, really well last week against the Lions after that first six, seven minutes, uh, where they went down 21-0. They played well on offense and defense after that. Derek Carr, do we know his status? I would assume after that hit. I know he came out with like three different injuries. <laughs> Uh, just from the one Bruce Urban hit. but I mean, he gets one every week. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so we'll see what we have at quarterback there. Uh, the Saints' defense has been up and down all season. Uh, they've had great games. They've looked really poor in some games. But Bryce Young has really just struggled versus everybody this season. Whether it's a great defense or a bad defense, he really hasn't particularly played well for an extended stretch at all. I think the Panthers' best chance here to win this game is a good day on the ground. But at the same time, we saw last week, they'd lose those games too. So regardless, I think they would have to play pretty perfect, hold on to the ball and not turn it over. I don't see that happening. It's tough to play NOLA. I'm going to take the
0: Saints at home inside. This is one of those games where you look at it and you see, oh, yeah, Carolina, they have basically nothing going for them. You see Bryce Young, he's struggling for the most part because of his situation around him. In New Orleans, they've got some solid weapons who have been taking the top off the defense. Taysom Hill found the end zone again last week whether it's Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, they're going to be able to air it out if they want to against a defense like this. And I'm starting to think, like, is this maybe a trap game for New Orleans? They might start to overlook Carolina a little bit. They're sitting with the worst record in the league. And, I mean, Carolina, they got nothing to lose this year. They don't have a first-round pick. They can win if they want to, but they just can't. Um, I My heart wants to go with Carolina because it's just so weird of a game to me. But like you said, Josh, it's really hard to play in New Orleans. And I, I just can't pick Carolina when I'm rooting for them to lose for that draft pick. So I'm going New Orleans.
2: Yep, I'm going New Orleans as well, Um, no matter which quarterback plays. I think I would expect Derek Carr just because he somehow finds a way to play in every game he possibly can. Um, But for the Panthers, they just need to continue to see some sort of flashes from Bryce Young. I was trying to find the report, but Jeff Saturday today said on TV that when he took over the interim coaching job last year in Indy that uh, Frank Reich and the coaching staff had just completely lost the team. Um, And I wonder if maybe that's also has happened in Carolina. Uh, They've looked – I wouldn't even say they look better this week, but – I just don't trust this Panthers team at all. They don't seem motivated enough. They don't have any really sort of juice going. And that was an issue with Frank Indy, Sometimes the team just didn't have juice. That's what it looked like. Surprisingly, their defense has played pretty well. They're ranked seventh in total defense, 23rd against the run, but they are fourth against the pass. Um, so on the flip side of that, their offense is 30th in the NFL, 30th in passing, 26th in rushing. I don't think this Panthers offense has enough to really get it done against the Saints defense. And, Although I don't trust the Saints defense to the Saints offense to score that much in this game, I think they will get enough to outscore the Panthers team. So I'm going to go with the
1: Saints. I will say, though, although the Panthers don't have their first round pick, so they, I guess have no, no reason to tank. They also do have, I'm pretty sure they have second through seventh, and your record still matters there, too. So,
0: well, yeah, but I, mean, e- I mean, even if it's just a few picks, I mean, yeah, that's fair. We, but I mean, not having their first rounder, that's just so fast yeah yeah no yeah it blows but they don't have i'm saying they don't have like absolutely no reason oh no they, they still okay. have something to like fight for i guess in terms of draft yeah. position but is it really yeah. that important if you're fighting between 33, 33 and, and yeah. 35 compared to yeah. one and four
1: no yeah yeah it's completely different regardless but they'll probably have 33 regardless
0: but <laughs> anyways
1: um moving on here to texans at jets uh it's gonna be a tough game to score for the jets per usual Uh, The Texans defense has really been buzzing the past few weeks. They've been playing great. Uh, I think Robert Salas should be fired strictly for the QB decisions this year. It's just like, it just makes no sense, man. I just don't get it. Maybe he sees uh, his division mate, Bill Belichick, getting wild with who he's going to play and just benching guys for sucking for other guys who also suck. But regardless, this makes no sense. We've seen from the start, we've talked about it on here, when Zach Wilson first came in, when he gets – benched and he gets all the hate he just cowers he doesn't do well with struggle he struggles with uh, struggling with adversity he doesn't play well under pressure at all and just benching him for no reason is just going to kill his confidence and make him even worse especially if you're benching him for options that just don't make any sense and guys that don't even need to be on NFL roster so I think if I was a Jets fan I would want him out strictly for that decision and just he ruined any chance that you guys had of getting Aaron Rodgers back and making the playoffs He ruined that completely, uh, single-handedly. If the defense for the Jets can turn over C.J. Stroud and get good field position and just maybe kick short field goals or maybe just luck into a touchdown, maybe have a defensive touchdown, then they have a shot. But the Texans are top five in turnover differential this year. They hold on to the ball. They turn the other team over. And if you're going to do that against the Jets, you don't have to score many points to win against them. I'm going to take the
0: Texans pretty easily here. I'm going with the Texans as well, but for a different reason than what others might think. I think this is a relatively interesting game compared to the rest of the one o'clock slate. C.J. Stroud, who's been very, very, very secure with the football in terms of both fumbles and interceptions against a defense who has been forced to just try and take the ball away as much as possible with the lack of confidence that they have in their offense. I think C.J. Stroud keeps perfect, like, security of the ball. And he's just absolutely phenomenal and dices up this jets defense, even without tank Dell. I think Noah Brown and Nico Collins are going to come in. I think they go for a hundred yards a piece. I think uh, CJ Stroud goes for 300 and maybe three touchdowns and maybe a rushing touchdown. I think this is going to be a game where people are going to really open their eyes and be like, okay, this guy can be MVP because he's doing this without that star receiver. He just lost. And it was against a really, really, really good defense. I'm going with Houston in, honestly, a blowout.
2: Um, yeah, I like what you said, Josh. I had that written down, too, about the possibility of firing um, Robert Sala after the season. The QB decisions just don't make sense. Um, I understand starting Zach Wilson, but when he was struggling and not making the plays early in his starts, there was quarterbacks out on the market. Carson Wentz, we saw the Rams sign him as a backup. Uh, Joe Flacco just got signed. They had other moves to make that would be better than Tim Boyle, uh Brett Ripon, and Trevor Simeon. I just don't understand those moves at all. This could cost him his job. Just listening to the media and benching him, he should have just kept with Zach Wilson all season. We saw the video. I don't think I saw the video on the sideline of Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers just kind of looking at each other and laughing during last week's game. Who knows what they were laughing about? But probably the Jets' offense because it's pretty abysmal. Um, their defense is very good, but I mean their offense just. Can't do much. Uh, I got the Texans in this one. I think CJ Stroud's gonna have a solid game. Maybe he doesn't put up the passing yards that he has been all season, but the Jets' offense won't be able to score on the Texans' defense, and the Texans should be able to put up about 20 ish points. And so, I got the Texans winning this one.
0: I got two more things I want to say before we move on. Uh, one, once again, the weekly apology to Garrett Wilson, we feel awful for you. And two, uh, did you guys see that Zach Wilson? Or like there were rumors of Zach Wilson being offered the starting position back, and he was just like reluctant to go back into that role.
1: Yeah, apparently I, that's I, false.
0: Oh, apparently was it it's false? false? Oh well, regardless, I mean, that's what Salah said. But whatever. Of course, Salah's going to say it's false because yeah. he doesn't want to mm-hmm. get embarrassed for benching him yeah. and then begging for him back. Of course, he's going to say it's false. But regardless of of its of if it is true or not, good for him. I mean, they forced you out of the role that you weren't expecting to play, and then because the O-line has its issues and weren't necessarily addressed in the best possible way, plus injuries, they they benched him for honestly, not even honestly, just frankly, the worst possible option in really the entire league. And now they're coming back to him? Yeah, I'd tell him to fuck off as well. So respect to Zach Wilson for that.
1: I, guess I would love to see Zach Wilson get in a better situation.
0: Like, could you imagine Zach Wilson maybe behind let's just let's swap zach wilson and brock purdy and see what happens
1: oh i got i got a question (laughs) do the atlanta falcons have more or less wins with zach wilson instead of ritter i'd say more to be honest
0: i think roughly the same just because zach wilson has also been very inconsistent even with time and i do like the falcons align a little bit better than the jets Uh, oh a lot better the falcons a lot yeah a lot better but horrible
1: Regardless, I think that would be an interesting – And they got weapons, the and that would be That's interesting. i think that would be a decent spot for them. But. but we can move on here, then. Next game here, Rams at Ravens. Uh, this should be a fun matchup, I think. Uh, we got a Ravens team coming off of a bye who just played a, a poor game in primetime against the Chargers but still got the win, and then a Rams team that is playing for their lives in this mid-tier of the NFC. Um, honestly, the mid-tier of both. Uh, the NFC and the AFC is just really, really tight. The AFC has like a game on them now, but a couple weeks ago it didn't look as tight in the AFC. Now it looks very, very tight. Uh, the Ravens' offense has had some down games, honestly, one of them being the Chargers game. Uh, but they've had some games like they played against the Lions where they just dominated all game and went crazy. So this is an opportunity for the Rams to take advantage if the Ravens do have a slow game. Excuse me. I expect this to be a tough game. I like the Ravens coming off a of bye. Uh, even though we have a battle of two great, great coaches here.
0: Yeah, this both, like you said, the NFC and AFC are both getting really interesting with the wild card teams. A few weeks ago, it was mainly just Dallas at the five or in the NFC. It was Dallas at five seed uh, and then Minnesota and Seattle sitting at like the six and seven. Now you've got Green Bay kind of creeping in as they've won three out of their last four. You've got the Rams who won last week, kind of con- pretty convincingly. And now they've got a tough matchup against Baltimore. The Rams can really kind of control their own destiny. The other wildcard teams in the NFC, they've got really tough matchups coming up and the Rams with the, with the firepower they have, if they can stay healthy, I think they can, they can win at least three, out of, three or four out of their next five and, and make some noise in the wild card round. But regardless of that, I'm going with Baltimore. I like their roster top to down a lot more. I think Lamar is going to play really well coming out of the bye. I think he's going to be able to escape the pressure from Aaron Donald up the middle really well. And I think Baltimore's defense is going to continue their excellent, uh, their stretch of excellent play this year. So I'm, I got the Ravens.
2: Yeah, I got the Ravens as well. I think this will be a close game though. The Rams have been playing very good football recently. I hope Puka Nakua plays. He has an AC joint sprain. I don't know. I don't think they know how severe it is yet, Um, but for the Rams, their big revelation outside of Puka Nakuning being as good as he has so far this year has been Kyron Williams. He's been phenomenal for them. He's finally kind of led them a steady rushing attack that they've been looking for in recent years. 231 yards in the past two games. Before his injury, he was playing very good football. Um, very good for Sean McVean's offense to have that good rushing attack. Their defense hasn't been the best defense, but it definitely hasn't been the worst. They're sitting at number 14 in points allowed, 16 in yards allowed. 19 and third down conversion rate so there's room to improve but they've been playing solid and just enough to help this very good offense that has a lot of weapons and a great coach to do enough but i got the ravens winning this one i think their defense is just too good for this rams offense i still think the rams score but i think the ravens defense will be able to limit how much they score and uh i think it's a
1: close game though i think the ravens sneak one all right, moving on here to Vikings at Raiders. This is a huge game for the Vikings after a tough Monday Night Football loss to Chicago in Minnesota. Uh, the Raiders' defense, though, we've been talking about it the past few weeks. They have been playing super well uh, since the firing of McDaniels. Uh, so that could be – they could possibly give uh, Dobbs some trouble like Chicago did uh, a couple weeks ago. The bye week, though, I think is going to be huge for Dobbs. Finally get to sit down, relax for a second, and get used to this system. Sit down with McConnell and just get ready, uh, for what the final stretch of the season, which is really, really huge for the Vikings. I think Brian Flores' aggressive style on defense could definitely hurt this Raiders offense. Their O line is tough. Uh, any quarterback, whatever quarterback they uh, roll out there any given week is going to struggle if you play a blitzing team with a lot of playmakers. I do think this will be a tight game, though. Raiders have been pretty solid at home. Like I said, their defense has been playing pretty good, but I'm going to go with Minnesota.
0: I'm going with Minnesota as well. Uh, like you said, I think Brian Flores, his defense, the blitz heavy scheme that they run is gonna give AOC some fits. Uh Justin Jefferson is coming back, and Minnesota coming out of the bye is getting healthier. So I I really, really think that Minnesota just matches up well uh offensively with Hawkinson, Jefferson coming back, Dobbs, like you said, Josh, uh, another week in the offense. So I got Minnesota and they're just gonna stake their plant their flag in the wild card spot for the NFC?
2: uh, Yeah, both teams coming off of the bye. Vikings 4-2 and two on the road. Raiders are 4-2 and two at home. So both teams are good in that aspect. They're both kind of coming off of a stretch where they were playing pretty good football, kind of hot, and they just started to flout a little bit before their bye there. But I kind of just like the Vikings in this one. I trust their coaching more. I think Antonio Pierce has done a very good job with his Vikings team. I think anyone could have done better with what Josh McDaniels was doing. But he's still inexperienced. And I really like KOC as a head coach. He's been able to find ways to win football games a lot. There's Vikings team has been very good in one score games. And I think they are just able to outcoach the Raiders in this one. Games in Vegas, so could be a 50-50 split with fans. Who knows? But I think the
1: Vikings win this one. All right. Chugging along here then to the four o'clock slate. Seahawks at Niners. Uh they played a couple weeks ago on Thanksgiving in Seattle. And the Seahawks just got dominated by the Niners. It's a huge game for the NFC West. Kind of takes the Seahawks out of it if they lose this one. Uh, But this one is in San Francisco, of course. The Niners are hot as ever, man. They're virtually unbeatable when they have their stars. It's kind of a crazy revelation, but when you have a top three player at every position, when you don't have those players, you aren't as good. I know it's wild to comprehend, but in the time they didn't have those guys, they were not as good. They get their good players back and all of a sudden they're good. I don't know if... Maybe there's no correlation to that, but I feel like there probably is. And uh, Gino's probably going to have to play perfect in this game to win. He can't turn the ball. If he turns the ball over more than once, it's over probably for them. Maybe even if he turns the ball over once. The way the Niners look right now, uh, I think they have to be the Super Bowl favorite. I don't know how you couldn't call them that the way they dismantled the Eagles and dismantled the Cowboys uh, when they were fully healthy. So. We said I said it earlier in the season when they were on that run before everybody got healthy. I was like, oh, they're probably going to be 11-0 going into Thanksgiving. Obviously, that didn't happen. They lost three straight games when they had their guys get hurt. If they never get anybody hurt, I don't know if they have a loss right now. So, I think they're a hands-on Super Bowl favorite at the moment. I'm taking them to beat the Seahawks by more than a touchdown this week.
0: Last time we saw these two teams play, it was in Seattle. It was on Thanksgiving. It wasn't particularly close. The only touchdown Seattle scored was just a a fluke pick six by Jordan Brooks, I believe it was. And then the following week, Seattle came out and played really, really well against a really good Dallas team, especially their defense. Uh, Geno Smith took care of the ball for the most part. He did have that one interception, which, honestly, you could chalk that up to being the difference maker in that game. But regardless, Geno played really solid. I believe he had three or four total touchdowns. And uh, DK went off as well against a really solid secondary. I do like Dallas's secondary more than Seattle's secondary uh, or more than San Francisco's secondary, but both fronts are incredibly talented. It's going to be a really tough game for Seattle if they want to overcome just the lack of talent in the trenches, especially DK is going to have to have another special performance in order for them to really keep pace with the San Francisco offense. But I'm going San Francisco pretty easily.
2: Yep. Three weeks ago the Seahawks were six and three, looking like they were going to walk into the playoffs. And now they're six and six on the outside looking into the playoffs, and they have to play possibly the best team in football. They've lost four straight to the 49ers. They've been outscored on an average of 30 to 14, so about 16 points in those matchups. And Christian McCaffrey has just absolutely dominated this team. He averages 165 yards from scrimmage against the Seahawks in his career. Um I, I like this Seahawks team going into the season. I still like them. They're just, they're in a rough spell. They gotta find a way to win some games. And I just don't think that happens here. Uh, this offense has been incredible since they're by. They got healthy and they've just been playing great. It's kind of a must-win game for the Seahawks. I just don't see it happening. They might get Kenneth Walker back this week. They didn't put him on IR. This is his this would be his third missed game if he were to miss it, but I don't think that necessarily matters. I think this 49ers team wins this game pretty easily in San Francisco.
1: All right, then, moving on here to Bills at Chiefs. This is a tough time uh, for this game for the Bills because if they lose and go under five hundred, it's hard to imagine they battle back in this one and win and get in the playoffs. So I don't want to say it's a must-win because it's hard to say it's a must-win going into Arrowhead, but maybe as close as you can get for the Bills here. Uh, the Chiefs offense has been slow all season but regardless they're still top 10 in most stats I think the only one that they're not only relevant stat that they're not would be I think it's rushing yards per game Uh, which is kind of surprising because it feels like they're running it at a higher rate than they ever have before but regardless they are not that's the one thing they're not top 10 in but Mahomes is pretty good off a of loss we've known that his entire career but at the same time you look at the Bills and the Bills are playing with everything to lose like I said Under they'd be what six and seven if they lost this game, I believe. I think they're sitting six and six, right? Yeah, so six and seven in a division where or in a conference where we currently have seven and five teams, not in the playoffs. Being six and seven puts you at a point where you got to win out and you still need help. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see this be a low scoring game. The Bills defense has their moments, they have not been great, but we know the Chiefs offense has been struggling. Uh, the Chiefs defense is great. They had a tough game last week, but I think they bounce back this week and have another good game. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs winning this game all but keeps the Bills out of the playoffs. I said earlier, if I was a betting man, which I am, that I would say that the Colts would be in the playoffs. If I had to bet right now on the Bills, I'd say they aren't.
0: I feel like this game really depends on what Buffalo Bills offense we see. I I say this about a lot of teams, but you could – I think it's really true for a lot of teams. If we see the Josh Allen who's smart with the with the ball, doesn't turn it over. He's very accurate downfield hitting Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. I think Buffalo can drop 30 on this really talented Kansas City defense and just come away with a win here while Kansas City's offense struggles. But I don't really trust the fact that Buffalo's defense is going to be able to keep Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in check. Uh they If they were healthy, it'd be a different story. But even their best player, Von Miller, he's just hobbling around the field. He's only playing on select third downs, it feels like. He's not a a factor in the run game. Uh, James Cook will probably be a non-factor strictly because of uh, Chris Jones. He's one of the most talented defensive players on the planet, and he is not talked about enough because he can line up on the edge. He can line up uh, face up on the center, face up on the guard. He, He can line up anywhere on the defensive line and just be dominant. I do think Kansas city wins this game. Uh, if Buffalo was healthy, I think I might take Buffalo because Kansas city, their offense worries me a little bit, but unfortunately we're not in that uh, world. So I'm trusting Kansas city here.
2: Well, I'm in a similar position. Um, I'm I'm going with the bills again. I think I've done this a couple of times where I'm the only one to pick the bills and I've got burnt on a couple of times. Uh, both of these teams kind of haven't delivered on expectations going into the season. This game is still exciting. These two quarterbacks are touted to be the two next, um, you know, like Manny and Brady possibly. That might not be true, but the Chiefs offense this year hasn't looked good. They haven't really had the juice. They've started to find some things with Rasheed Rice, but Travis Kelsey has really been it. And when you can take him out, you can really slow this team down. They struggled against the Packers. Um, but these two QBs have been able to bring the best out of each other. Josh Allen has a fourteen to two touchdown interception ratio in his four career games against Mahomes, and Mahomes averages over three hundred passing yards in games against the Bills. This season, all six of the Bills' losses have come by six points or less. They kind of seem to be like the opposite of the Vikings last year. They can't find a way to win these one score games, but last two times they played the Chiefs in the regular season, they have won both of them. The Chiefs did win the insane playoff game, but I'm just I'm leaning towards the Bills. I think it could be a defensive battle with the way these two offenses have played and these two defenses, and I kind of – I just think I trust the Bills' offense a little bit more than I trust the Chiefs' offense right now. Even with the turnovers, um, their offense just seems to have at least a little bit of juice. So, I think the Bills go into Arrowhead and find a way to win.
1: I know you're marking it down over there, Zach. Did you – is this the first time we've picked
0: different on on this week? No, I pick Chicago. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Over right, Detroit. Right, right. Outside of that, yeah, that is the only that is the only non-sweep that we've had so far in these picks.
1: All right, moving on here. Maybe this one uh, continues that trend. Uh, Broncos at Chargers, divisional matchup. Here we get a hot, still a hot team in the Broncos. I want to say they were just about there to beat the Texans in that game, and they were on the giant win streak before that, as we know. And then an ice cold team in the Chargers, who so they finally got a win, and it was about. Uh, as little of a convincing win as you could possibly get in that 6-0 win versus maybe the worst team in the league. Honestly, I know the Panthers are statistically the worst team in the league. I don't think it's crazy to to say that the uh, Patriots are the worst team, though. I I do think the Pats are the worst team in the league. But the Broncos have been dominating the turnover margin uh, in their winning streak. They didn't against the Texans, and that was the one time they ended up losing. So I think that could be... Uh, something that they just need to have happen. They need to win the turnover margin. I know a lot of people say turnover luck is a thing, and maybe it is. But at some points, you some teams are just good at uh, turning the other team over. This Chargers defense is a very favorable matchup for Russ and this Broncos offense. I think they could put up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And the Broncos team really does not put up a ton of points. So them putting up a lot of points, I think, could get them a pretty easy win. After watching Chargers' path, it's just really hard for me to pick the Chargers against any above-average team. I think the Broncos are an above-average team. I'm going to take them winning in L.A.
0: Yeah, I'm ex- I'm right there with you with Denver. Uh, I mean, the Chargers, they played the Patriots last week. It was a terrible game. They couldn't even turn over Bailey Zappi. And I think you can argue that the reason why Denver lost against Houston last week was because Russ turned the ball over too many times. So I think Denver keeps the ball secure. I think they're going to be able to move up and down the field against the Chargers. The Chargers, this is going to be one of the games where we all pick Denver and then Chargers are going to win by like 20 just because hello, it's the Chargers. We've talked about it a million I'm times. I'm cool with you that. Know. I'm not getting burnt by the <laughs> <fucking> Chargers anymore. <laughs> right. I no, know. I'm, I'm not doing it. I just can't do it. I'd rather just pick Denver and be safe than pick the Chargers and them just look like themselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I'm going Denver. I think Russ keeps, uh, takes care of the ball and, they just put up enough points to make sure that Quentin Johnson has to catch a crucial ball on third and 12 and drops it again.
2: Yeah. I'm kind of shocked. Both of you guys on Broncos. Um, I'm also going Broncos. Uh, this is a game where, you know, I wish I could say that Targers should win this game. They have more talent. They have the better quarterback, the flashier quarterback, but in the end, they just have worse coaching. I trust Sean Payton significantly more than I trust um, Brandon Staley uh the broncos defense has been playing good football recently their secondary struggle a little bit against the texans but their pass rush seemed to find something against the texans i think they put those two together and are able to have a good game against this Chargers offense that was very bad last week and the broncos offense um their strength has kind of been not turning the ball over and just finding ways to score points they didn't do that last week i think they get back to that limit the turnovers and i just like i said i trust sean payton way more than i trust staley i'm not getting charged again i got the
1: broncos All right, moving on here then to Eagles at Cowboys. Oh, yes, we have this beautiful Sunday night football game. It is one of the biggest games of the year. Two situations here. One, the Eagles win, basically locks up the division, puts them in a significantly better spot than any other team to have the one seed. I believe they're at like 57% right now, that number shoots up with a win here. The Cowboys on the other hand, if they win this game, the battle – for the buy in the NFC is going to be so interesting. Let's just play it out that the favorites all win this week. Not saying that's going to happen. Let's just say the Lions and the Niners win. Then you have a situation where you have four and 10-3 teams, Cowboys, Eagles, Niners, Lions, four games to go. Lions and the Cowboys play each other. I don't – no, the rest of the teams don't play each other because – Yeah, Niners and Eagles already played Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so none of the other teams play each other. That game, week 17, Saturday Night Football becomes huge, and this race would be extremely interesting. So Dak and the Cowboys offense, they are red hot. This Eagles secondary, we saw they got cooked last week by the Niners, who the Niners are handing out beatdowns. But can we take that game into full consideration when we look at the Cowboys, who also got dusted by the Niners? So that game at least was in San Francisco, though. I'll give them that. This Eagles offense cannot afford to have a bad half in this game. They've had many games this year where they sucked in the first half and came back in the second, or they sucked in the second half, but they were good enough in the first half that they got to win the game. They cannot have a bad half against this Cowboys team. Uh, otherwise, they will lose. Cowboys have been dominating at home. I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to create the chaos scenario for the one seed.
0: All right, I, I got a lot to say about this game, but to your point of if we have four, ten, and three teams fighting for that one seed, let's just have a committee decide it because that always works out well within yeah. the sport of football. But yeah. all jokes aside. So you would have the Lions at four. For sure. <laughs> Based on just straight up uh, history alone. But regardless yeah. of that, um, this was the one game this week or one of two games this week we're coming into Bedard. No, not Dickinson. Too, too, no. Oh, geez, I got excited. This was one of two games this week that I had uh, left blank coming into the episode. Uh, I decided on Tampa Bay and Atlanta uh, right after we started talking about Detroit and Chicago, I got rid of my, uh, my bears venting. And then I just went and picked Atlanta just for the hell of it for this one. I still don't know who to pick Philly. They could just be really pissed and come out and dominate uh, in the trenches on both sides of the ball because they were embarrassed last week. But Dallas, like you said, Josh, they played really well in Jerry world Their defense has a ton of playmakers. It would not shock me to see Dallas take the ball away a bunch of times like uh, the Jets did to Jalen Hurts uh, back like four or five weeks ago. And then Philly just can't move the ball and they just struggle to score. But I do really like the matchup that CeeDee Lamb has against this Philly defense. Uh, He's just been phenomenal this year probably the second best wide receiver in the league behind Tyreek Hill, who is on pace for over 2000 yards at the moment. So there's no debating that Tyreek is number one, but Ceedee lamb is a very close number two. I I think I'm going to go Dallas just because I think Ceedee lamb, he's just got the plus matchup against this really, really, really inconsistent secondary. And I think Tony Pollard is probably going to benefit from that play action is going to hit really well. Brandon cooks probably finds the end zone. I don't think Deron Bland finds it. I think Hertz is going to be a lot smarter with the football, but this is definitely Easily the
2: game of the week. Yep, big game, massive game. Sunday night football. Winners first place in the NFC East with four weeks left. Eagles won the first matchup. I think the Cowboys were the better team in that game. To be honest, uh, they were just unable to find a way to win. Eagles are ten and two, but somehow it's it almost is like doesn't feel like they are. They haven't been playing up to like the expectations we have of them. They did pick up – we touched on it with Shaq Leonard a little bit earlier. They picked up Shaq Leonard to help the linebacking for that. could be huge for them if they can help him find his – help him find his – a little bit of his prime. He goes back to Nick Sirianni, who was the Colts offensive coordinator for a while. I think there's some coaches that he had when he was in India a few years ago. Most of them are in Chicago, though. Um, But I like this Cowboys team. We've talked about how good they are at home. We've talked about how good Dak is at home. They have, I think, fourteen straight home wins. They're six to zero the season at home. They average forty-one points. You could talk about it all day. Um, but Dak is also very good against the Eagles. Uh, past four games, fourteen to one touchdown interception ratio. Completes seventy-four percent of his passes. Three hundred and thirteen passing yards per game. He loves this rivalry and he loves the division games too. Um, I said it a couple weeks ago. He hadn't lost a divisional home game since twenty seventeen. Still hasn't. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I think they get a big win. I think they're due for a big win. Um, I think they just kind of take apart that Eagles secondary, which has been struggling with injuries and all that. So I think the Cowboys win this one.
0: One last thing before we move on. Uh, Last time these two teams played, Dallas was inches shy of honestly beating Philly with that Ferguson uh, catch at the inch line and then Dak stepping out of bounds just at the worst possible second. And just getting extremely unlucky. This rivalry is going to be really nice for the next few years, especially if Dak and Hurts are both on the team, and Ceedee Lamb and AJ Brown are both on there as well. This is going to be such a good game. I'm loving this matchup. You guys got to tell me what just happened. I wasn't paying attention. Three, <laughs> oh, three two. Is that Felino again. Yeah. No way he's got two. Is he going to go for three now? And, and the assists, Dickinson. Three, Hattie? Point, three points. Oh my gosh. But
1: oh I just want to, to touch on my my booing real quick. I'm just tired. I'm tired of all the, like, semi-big-name free agents. You can call them washed players that just end up on contenders. But, like, it's all – I understand wanting to go to a contender. That makes complete sense to me. But it's every time it's just an odds-on favorite. It's not a contender. Like, these reports from Schefter being like, oh, they want to sign with a contender. It's not a contender. They want to sign with the odds-on favorite every time. It's Eagles or Niners. It, it, they did the same thing when it was Tampa. They won the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden, every single player goes to their team. It's just so frustrating. And, like, I want to see some of these big-name guys go to, like, the the second tier of contenders. That's all I want to see. You want to go to Lions? Just say it, man. <laughs> the Lions are another team that's, like, in that mid-tier. Like, if they went, I'm trying to think of an AFC team that would be comparable. Like
0: Jacksonville?
1: I don't Even the Ravens. I would even take the Ravens. Like, what are we doing going to, like, the best teams every time? It's just frustrating, man. He does it's, have ties with Philly.
2: And I just think,
1: I, yeah. I mean, yeah. some of
2: these teams just don't want to go for him for some reason. Like, I don't were the lines even linked with him at all.
1: No, no nothing. But our linebackers aren't good. Like that could be on <laughs> Brad Holmes. I mean, Chuck Leonard isn't good right now either, but he was good. It's just I don't. He can't. He's
0: got the ceiling and he's got the resume that you know that he could be good. But like guys like Anzalone or Jack Campbell, I mean, I I think you have to take the guy who's proved he can do something rather than guys who are unproven.
1: Yeah, I know. And I get I get the Philly connection or whatnot, but like I don't know. It's just kind of a cowardly move to just join the best team, whoever has the best yeah. record. It's I mean, we saw it with the Chiefs on in I mean they're still in their run, but in their great run too, every every player goes to the Chiefs. It's just it's whatever. But that's <laughs> how you really feel. <laughs> I bet. I just just did. It's exactly what I just did. <laughs> but regardless, we'll move on. Two Monday night football games this week: Titans at Dolphins and Packers at Giants. We'll start with Titans at Dolphins. The Dolphins have been sneakily playing very – even the Dolphins. Yeah, even go to the (laughs) Dolphins, man. Regardless. Titans at Dolphins. Dolphins have been playing sneakily pretty well so far this season. I expect Levis to struggle. This defense, we talked about it last week. They've been playing really, really well. uh, Scary well, honestly. And if their defense can play like this, they can be a serious contender to make and win the Super Bowl. Uh, Levis, I think, is going to struggle against this defense for sure. Uh, The Dolphins, honestly, would probably be my pick. Uh, for the one seed here, they don't have a extremely tough schedule. I know they have – I don't have it off the top here. But I know they have, like, two two more games where uh they have – where I don't think they're probably going to be favored in. Hold on, let me I pull it up here. Uh, I don't know exactly Miami who golfing. they play, but
0: I, don't they still play Buffalo? Because I know they played a uh, Yeah, here.
1: yeah, yeah. They got Titans, Jets, and then they're two tough ga- – I don't even consider Buffalo really a tough game right now. But, I agree. Especially because it's at home. But they got Cowboys coming to Miami and then they go at Ravens week sixteen and seventeen. so those two that games Cowboys game could
0: be so good. That'll be such a good game,
1: very good. The Cowboys sneakily have a pretty tough schedule and in the year. I mean, they got Eagles, Dolphins, Lions. I don't know who else they play outside of those three, but I mean that's three of the top five, six, seven teams in the league so bills. uh reg- what bills too bills yeah <laughs> but, uh, on the day. A bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, home field advantage here, uh, for the playoffs would be very, very huge for the Dolphins. We know how much better they play in Miami than they do play in the colder environments. Yes. So getting that one seed is just huge for them. I think if they get the one seed, I'm placing a future on them to win the Super Bowl. I just, I really love this Dolphins team right now. Uh, I think they dismantle the Titans at home.
0: I completely agree, especially with Derrick Henry's health being in question. He left the game in the fourth quarter with a concussion last week. And regardless of our thoughts on Tajay Spears, especially mine, he's no Derrick Henry. And even with Derrick Henry, I don't think they're going to be able to outscore Miami and just whatever the hell crack they're on that makes all their players run at a million miles an hour and just score a million touchdowns every single game. Tyreek Hill's is probably going to go for over 150 again. He's probably going to get a touchdown or two because no one in Tennessee's secondary is good enough, especially after trading Kevin Byard earlier this year. Uh, Levis is going to be up against a really tall task, against a really solid Miami defense who's been playing extremely well since getting Jalen Ramsey back. Uh, And being down early in the game, they're not going to be able to lean on Derrick Henry, if he even plays. So I got Miami, and yeah, if if I see Miami get number one seed, I am completely with you, put a future on them because they will probably go to the Super Bowl because they will not lose in Miami because they won't have to deal with the cold.
2: Uh, yeah, I got Miami as well. Um, will Levis looks out last week. He showed his flashes. He's been doing that a lot this season. Um, he just needs to be patient. He needs to, he's been throwing a decent amount of check down, but it's either really check down or deep ball. He needs to start just getting better at some of the touch passes, intermediate passes, uh, and just continue to develop for this Titans team. Um, he looks like the quarterback of the future he should be um, but for the Dolphins this team is just they've been playing great football they have maybe the best receiving duo in the NFL Tyreek Hill maybe the best receiver in football another team under 500 they've been dominating those teams this offense is just too elite too many weapons Vrabel can be a defensive mastermind and still would have, wouldn't have would have the ability to slow down this offense I got the Dolphins winning
1: this one pretty easily all right, moving on here then to the last game we got to discuss here: Packers and Giants. Uh, the Packers might be the hottest team in football right now. Like I said, they're going to make the playoffs. Looking at their schedule, there's—I honestly just don't see a world where they do where they do not, unless they had a catastrophic injury. Uh, Jordan Love's just really coming into his own, man. He just looks scarily good. As much as I hate to say it, looking like they might get Aaron Jones back this week—that'd be good for them, just another weapon. I'm not—I don't love AJ uh, Dillon. I have not loved him really at all. Outside, I mean, I know his – I don't want to say his quads were the main reason he's been getting so hyped up in his career so far, but he's not Aaron Jones. Uh, and, yeah, I don't honestly have a ton more to say about this game. I don't – like, the DeVito experience has been great. It's been fun. Uh, I don't think it's going to be able to get them a win against the hottest team in football. Though. I'm taking the Packers.
0: Yeah, I'm going Green Bay as well. I think uh, Love is going to continue his really, really, really good stretch of play, regardless of if the Packers have uh, Aaron Jones or not then Jordan Love's going to be able to throw the ball. He's really good when he's on schedule. He's great at finding those anticipatory throws. Uh, I talked about it a couple weeks ago after the Lions-Packers game. Arm talent is so sought after in prospects. That's why the Packers wanted to trade up and get him. He showed a lot of flashes in college. We're seeing some of that now, even though he is in his fourth year and first year fully starting. I think Christian Watson will probably have another really solid game if he plays. If not, it'll probably be a lot of uh, Jaden Reed But regardless, I like Green Bay. They just match up really well, and they're just a better team.
2: Yeah, I'm taking Green Bay. I'm taking Matt LaFleur in the month of December. I think they've won 16 straight games in December. Um, Somehow, Matt LaFleur is just a brilliant coach in this month. Tommy DeVito starting again. I think this Packers pass rush is really going to get to him. Sean Gary's been playing very good recently. I just really don't see a world where the Giants offense is able to do too much with DeVito in this game. and. Uh, as a non-NFC North fan, I have enjoyed watching Jordan Love continue to develop, prove a lot of the haters wrong. Zach. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the Packers win this one in a, in a second Monday Night Football game.
1: All right, so we'll end today's episode off, like always, with some betting picks for the upcoming week. Um, Mike, I have three here. If you're going to take the Colts, I'll pick my other two. If you're not, then I'm taking You them. can take whatever you want. You can take whatever you want. I'll leave you the Colts. I'm going to take Chiefs minus two and a half against the Bills. Uh, I think this is going to be a bounce-back game for the Chiefs offense, and I'm just not sold on the Bills whatsoever. And I'm going to be taking the team we just talked about, the Packers minus six and a half. I know they're on the road, but at the end of the day, bright lights for Tommy DeVito. I just don't see it happening. This Packers team the hottest team in football. I can see them winning this game by 20. So I'll gladly take one touchdown and take Packers minus six and a
0: half. I'll kind of back up my talk with the Panthers saints game. Uh, I think some people are overlooking it and I don't think four and a half points is enough for the saints. So I'm taking the Panthers plus four and a half. I think they're going to make it really close and probably make bears fans sweat a little bit with that number one pick. And obviously I'm going to take the bears plus three. Um, I mean, I picked them to win, but just as insurance, I'm just going to take those three points. So
1: three and a half. I I got three and a half over
0: here. So is it three and a half? Oh, I'm I, just looking I, at the at the at the, a, at the the score app, and it says minus three for lines.
1: Yeah, it's it's different. but some are three, some are three and a half. But
0: probably, but yeah, I, I'm taking the Bears regardless. I just want to give myself those points just in case.
2: For my first bet, I talked about it a little bit. Um, I'm taking the under thirty in a Steelers Pats game. I just think both of these offenses are abysmal, terrible. I'm kind of hoping this is like an Iowa versus Iowa football game, <laughs> and so I'm going with the under thirty in that game. And then for my oh, that second game in the Field, yeah, the Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to take Bills two and a half, but I'm going to go with Falcons two and a half. I think Young Hoku. I think the game's tied. I think he comes on the field on the turf. I think he kicks a game-winning field goal. Falcons win by three points. That's my second bet.
1: All right. I'm just going to put Colts minus one in there as well then <laughs> because even <laughs> I think the Colts are going to win. I think they're going to win pretty easily. I think you could even extend that line to something like two and a half. I think they're going to win this game easily. Uh, but regardless, that about does it for episode 30 of the Engage 8 podcast. Thank you for sticking with us for 30 episodes. Um, Until next time, though, in the description are all of our links as always. Uh, Spotify, TikTok, the links to all of our social medias as well as the pod social media. Uh, next time we will see you is on Monday with a recap of week 14, discussing probably 14, 13 or 14 of the games, depending on how late we start recording in Sunday night football. Uh, but until next time, we'll see everybody in the next one.